purpose. We're all searching for it. It is something we are striving for. We are all asking, what is our life all about? Jesus said, now go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. That is our main purpose and goal, is to advance God's kingdom. But what is our sub-purpose? I wholeheartedly believe that God gave us a purpose to advance His kingdom. Some people know what that is right away, but many of us struggle to find it. Believe me, it is there. God created all of us for something. He does have a plan. He put it in your soul. You just have to find what is running through your veins. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This is from Romans 8, verse 28. Uh, Hello. Welcome you to the Running Through My Veins podcast. It's great to have you. Glad you're here to listen. Um, One thing that you can do for the podcast to help um, the episodes get out to more people Uh, You can review and rate the podcast. This uh, helps the algorithms. The more people that review and rate it, uh, the better that will get out to more people. Uh, You can follow us at Running Through My Veins on Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, Follow us there for up-to-date stuff, news about the podcast, everything like that. Today on the podcast, I had Jeffrey Wilson. Jeff is a one half of the writing duo Andrews and Wilson. They write uh, books based on off of uh, Navy SEAL stuff. Um, they, it's all fiction books. They have several series out. Uh, one series is called the Tier One series. Another one is Sons of Valor. And their uh, newest book, Dark Intercept, is the start of the Shepherd series. Um, before we get into the interview, I'm going to just uh, read their biographies here just to give you a little background, and then uh, we can go into the interview with Jeffrey Wilson. So, Andrews and Wilson is a best-selling writing team of Brian Andrews and Jeffrey Wilson, the authors behind the Shepherd series the Tier 1, and the Sons of Valor series, and Rogue Axet, the ninth book in the Web Griffith Presidential Agent series. They write action-adventure and covert operation novels honoring the heroic men and women who serve in the military and intelligence communities. Brian is a former submarine officer, entrepreneur, and park leadership fellow with degrees from Vanderbilt and Cornell. Jeff has worked as an actor, firefighter, paramedic, jet pilot, and diving instructor, as well as a vascular and trauma surgeon. During his 14 years of service, Jeff made multiple deployments as a combat surgeon with an East Coast-based SEAL team. Jeff now leads a men's military ministry for a large church in Tampa, Florida. So without further ado, here is Jeffrey Wilson. These episodes, well, first, I want to welcome you, Jeff, to the podcast. One half of Andrews and Wilson writing team. You got the better half. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, Well, I'm excited to have you on. Um, When So I had Kyle Thompson on my podcast here a couple months ago, 
And I saw his post that he's going to have you guys on. And then uh, I was like, oh, I, I, had, I honestly, I've never heard of you guys before that. Uh, and I'm, I, I, I'm, and that's not probably a good thing to admit to a podcast guest, but no. I never heard you guys. But then I started doing my research and immediately started uh, diving into your series, your first couple series, and started reading those books. And then I saw you're actually coming out with this book that we're going to talk about today, Dark Intercept. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I felt really compelled to reaching out to you to see if you would be willing to come on the podcast and. I mentioned to this uh, last week when I first called you saying that it's hard to get guests on, you know, as a small podcast. And then I'm like, well, I'll just, I'll just shoot, shoot a message over to them. And you guys responded back right away. I was like, oh, this is awesome. So thank you so much for, for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to discuss some stuff with me today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. We've never said no to a podcast. I don't think we've, we've had trouble scheduling them before, but we've never said That's good. Uh, So to start out the podcast, I usually do what's called blood flow questions, basically just mad minute style questions. Just get our the juices flowing, and then we kind of go into the interview part of it. Sounds good. So first question: greatest Western movie in your opinion? Uh, (laughs) that's actually that's a tough one. There's a lot of good Western movies. I mean, and it depends on your taste too. Like I like some of the old school, you know, Clint Eastwood movies for sure. But, um, then you have these more modern movies like tombstone and even Silverado. I mean, that was, yep. a little, it was a little tongue in cheek, but it was so much good stuff for everybody and lots of cool man lines to throw around. Yep. Yep. I don't want to shoot you and you don't want to be dead. Like yep. so many good things. So it'd be hard for me to call out, call out just one. I mean, obviously the good, the bad and the ugly and all the good yep. stuff, but I, if I'm in the mood to watch a Western, like with my sons or my, even my daughters and house are getting older, I'd probably turn to Silverado or Tombstone. Those are my two favorites. Two, two good ones. I like Tombstone. It's a very good one. Um, I like, it's cliche, but I like Open Range with Kevin Costner, even though That's it's a like, good movie. even yeah. though he's shooting a, a six shooter and he shoots 15 times before reloading, you know, but it's still a good movie. And um, pale rider, pale rider, yeah, pale rider. Yeah. Now we're, this is going to be the whole podcast. There's, just too, <laughs> there's too many of them out there. That's all right. You know, go down a rabbit hole. Um, favorite scripture. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight. That's an easy one. Um, you know, it's an interesting scripture for both my wife and I, because it's one of the, and there's many examples of this. I can tell you, and I know you already know this. It's one of those scriptures that has such different meanings in different seasons mm-hmm. of your life. You know, I can be, remember being young, like really young, like high school young and being on fire for God. And back then, when you haven't really lived, mm-hmm. Romans 8.28 kind of sounds like rainbows and unicorns, right? Like yeah. everything's going to be okay no matter what. You're saved and, you know, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Then you live a little life and you go, wait, you feel a little betrayed by that verse, right? And then yep. uh, you have to reread it and say, okay. That's not what it says at all. It doesn't say everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be used for good for God's purpose. And then later in your life, when you've had some trials and some suffering, it's fun to be able to take that context and say, okay, now I see the the broader application of that verse. That's the, that's the verse for my wife and I, that we turn to a lot. That's cool. A bucket list item that you have not done yet. I've done everything I wanted to do. See, that's That's awesome. Yeah. It's easy. I'm that, I'm that kid that grew up 
wanting to do like all the, you know, I want to be a fireman and I want to be a jet pilot and I want to do this and I want to do that. I just did all those things. So that's awesome. That's easy yeah. then. Yeah. I guess the only one I didn't get to do was I did I, there for a while before nine 11. Um, I really thought I wanted to be an astronaut. I'd been a pilot and I'd gone to medical school and was actually in the Navy reserves and I was working the shuttle launches about, you know, once or twice a year, I'd get to work the shuttle launches over there where they go up as part of the medical team. And I got to meet some of the guys. And one of the guys, his name was Dave Brown, uh, who unfortunately perished um, uh, in Columbia. But he uh, turned out that he and I had been gone to the same college. We'd gone to the same med school. We met, we kind of connected. We stayed in touch. He's like, you let me know when you're ready. I'll get you, I'll get you fast tracked in here. You'd be great. Um, and then of course there was the tragedy of, of the Columbia, but, mm-hmm. and then nine 11 happened. And, uh, after that, I never really looked back. Everything was about the war. So sure. favorite movie character you like to play out in real life that I would like to see in real life or that if you could, if you could act as the movie character, or if I could be the yeah, character, if you could be the character. Uh, all right, this is going to sound cheesy. This is going to sound like I'm pandering to you because we're on a faith-based podcast. Sure. But I don't know if you've been watching um, this amazing Dallas Jenkins production, The Chosen. I've watched the first couple episodes and we kind of dived out of it. But it yeah, gets, I've heard of it. And, that's, and a lot of people say that because it gets off to a little bit of a slow start because there's so mm-hmm. much backstory that they're building. Yep. I encourage you to, to re-engage it. It's one okay. of the most amazing things I've seen because it shows all of the 12 and the, the peripheral disciples as real people, like with relation, like they don't get along, like, you know, Peter doesn't even like Matthew and that, it, like, it's really, really good. But anyway, sure. um, so the character of, of the, the apostle Peter has always been my guy just because I kind of relate to him. Like mm-hmm. he's got some anger issues. He's like, you know, yep. what I mean? he's not, yep. he's a little bit of a blue collar kind of guy. They all yep. were, but him in particular, right. Um, and so the portrayal of him in that show, the chosen has brought him really to life for me even more. So I don't know, it's a little presumptuous, but if I could be that version of Peter, that'd be really cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Perfect. Well, that's the, the blood flow questions for running lightning lightning round. That's right. So I see the book in the background, dark intercept. I I first want to say it was an amazing book. I, and I'm not, and I'm not just doing that to to pump you up or anything. But I usually read a lot of nonfiction books. I have in the past too. I've read a lot of fiction books. I'm a big reader, um, but it's not like the typical Christian fiction books. Um, you know, I would. It, it it's a lot. If well, I read the Left Behind series when I was in high school. Yeah. You know, that's the if you think of Christian fiction, that's like the the number one that pops out, right? That's what everybody gets drawn to. Otherwise it's all the Christian fiction for the, like the women with, right. you know, riding on the Oregon trail or, you know, whatever. Right. The Amish romance, the Amish romance <laughs> or, or the, uh, I I'm trying to think of in my church library, we have all the ones that have the firefighter or the police on it, but it doesn't get too nitty gritty. Right. And the minute you pick up dark intercept and start reading it, you can tell it's quite a bit different than normal Christian fiction. So what drew you guys to writing this book? 
Well, so and it's there's there's a lot to unpack with everything you said and with that question um, that are sort of interrelated because you know us being interested in writing this book and then you know if you've talked to other writers before you know it's one thing to say you want to write a book it's another thing to actually get it written and published and yep. sold and all that so um, I'll start with saying that the way this book came to be after we had the idea for it then there's several years between those two points. Um, is that Tyndale House, which of course is one of the leading, you know, publishers of, mm-hmm. of Christian fiction and nonfiction, obviously huge nonfiction publisher yep. as well. Um, we sort of connected with them in a very, uh, in a very, you know, God thing type of moment. We weren't sure. looking for this. We started, Brian and I, as you know, I co-authored this with uh, Brian Andrews. Our brand is Andrews and Wilson, the tier one series. Sons of Valor, the Web Griffin now, we have a new series coming out in 23. Everything is Andrews and Wilson. Um, and this one was something that just came out of a conversation we had. We were talking about, you know, the war and Brian said, let me ask you, have you ever been in the presence of, of pure evil? Like not around really evil people, not around bad people. I know you've seen that, but that feeling of like, this is something that I can't explain by just bad behavior. And I told him, yeah, I, I absolutely have. I've, there have been several times in my deployments where I felt like this is something just beyond the horrible things that people can do to one another. And this book was sort of born out of that. All of our series sure. start with sort of a what if question. You know, at its heart, this is meant to be an entertaining thriller because that's what we yep. do. But yep. the opportunity to put a real faith message into it was very exciting for us. And so um, the what if question we started with was, you know, if you believe in in good versus evil from a from a Christian focus, if you mm-hmm. believe in those two opposing forces, that that's a real thing, that that warfare is going on, then it's not a big leap to say, you know, look at World War II and Adolf Hitler, look at Genghis Khan, look at Osama bin Laden. Is it possible that these are not just sociopaths and psychopaths, but that there's an evil force whispering in mm-hmm. their ear and pushing these vulnerable people in that direction? And we believe that that is the case and as, yep. as do most, most people of faith. But the what if question here is, well, if that's true, what if there was an organization that's been around for hundreds and even thousands of years, perhaps, whose job it is to be those sort of modern day Knights Templar, those people yep. that are in the shadows behind the scenes conducting warfare against those forces to protect mankind. If the goal of the evil forces is to separate man from God. And he's doing it in a contemporary conventional way by creating these horrible wars and stuff that make people say, wow, you know, where's God in this? How can there be a God if he would allow, you know, that's a question you're like, yep. God, I would let God let that happen. And of course we have an answer for that. Um, but it's something that people who have suffered any kind of trial experience, including mm-hmm. myself, I lead a men's military ministry in Tampa and it's the thing we struggle with the most in military veterans is that like, you know, I thought I had a faith and then I saw this horrible stuff and I just can't rectify a loving God with some of the things that I've yep. seen. And so we thought it might be fun to try to put that element in there. And so that's sort of the, the way the book came to be sure. the way the book made it to this was Tyndale house uh, connected with us, which is a fun story. I'll tell you in a second. And they told us in the very first call, you know, we're looking to change the way we do Christian fiction. You know, we're looking to do something other than Left Behind, which, of course, was a Tyndale project yep. or the Amish romance. 
And in particular, we want to grow not just our male readership, but readers who read action and thrillers and stuff like that, because that's the biggest market. You know, is that something you think you guys could do for us? Is do you have something in mind? We pitched this idea to them, but when we did, we told them, look, you know, we have we're Andrews and Wilson. We write gritty, often violent military fiction. We decided early on in this brand, in our relationship, that we were going to honor the men and women that we've served with. Mm-hmm. We're going to tell these stories. They're fiction, but we want to honor the people that have served by telling the stories as realistic as we can. So we just told them flat out, like, we don't believe we can do that and be true to that, that um, ideal if we water it down like we see so much sure. Christian fiction done. And they were immediately receptive. They're, no, that's what we want. That's why we're approaching you. So um, really, I have to say, God bless Tyndale House for having the vision to say, look, you know, you're a, Christ- you're a Christian, man. Your faith is everything to you. But did yep. you see the last Bourne movie? Probably. Yep. Right. Yep. So you still want to be entertained. It's OK to be entertained with things that are of this world that are realistic. And so they embraced that and allowed us to bring this book out. And uh, it is a little grittier than when you think about Christian fiction. It's a little more yep. violent, a little more realistic. But it definitely has some faith themes that we've tried to pull through. Yeah, and and one of those th- faith theme- themes, excuse me, <laughs> faith uh, themes that gets pulled out of the book right away, like within the first couple chapters. Um, as you're reading, you know, I, I don't want to give too many spoilers to people that that do go and read this book. But the the main character Jedediah, um, which did you take his name from, like Jeremiah Johnson? Because initially when I read it, that's where I got like, we didn't, we didn't, I didn't notice that until way later. We wanted to use Jedediah because of the biblical connection. Yep. Yep. And, we and liked I kind of figured the idea that. of doing Jedediah Johnson, sort of like, you know, Clark Kent. And that, it's a yep. very common, you know, thing to do yep. that a little bit of alliteration and superhero type stuff. Sure. Uh, and we didn't realize until way, way later. Oh yeah. I so so no, that was an accident. So sorry, that was that was a rabbit hole. But no, but no. initially, initially when you when you start reading it and you, and you get introduced to Jedediah right away in the book, um, you see that he has a struggle with faith, right? Um, he hears he hears God, but he doesn't know what it is. You know, you flash back to his past of where. Um, he thought about becoming a pastor, um, wanted to go down the ministry route, but then, you know, circumvented that, you know, other things happened in his life and he went to be a Navy SEAL. Don't want to spoil too much of the book, but anyway, that's within the first few chapters. Um, did you pull that like real, that struggle of faith out from real life stories from your past or, or your partner's pasts? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I said, you know, the, the central, theme of the ministry that I'm involved in down here with other military men uh, evolves around my personal struggle. When we started that ministry, we're, we're at a very large church in Tampa, 12,000 members, six campuses. And um, when we launched this ministry, it was me and a friend of mine, Mario Martin. He was a West Coast guy, served with uh, SEAL Team 5. And we met at a man event through the church. And he had it on his heart at the same time I did that we should have something like this. This is perfect. Sure six or seven years ago. But honestly, it was really not a philanthropic thing. It was more, we were looking for that connection and that community for our own struggles, which is, I guess, not uncommon, but for sure, you see things in war that you can't unsee you experience in things that that can really shake your faith and make you say, you know, 
is there a God? And I, I think for most people that, that enter service with a faith and go through that, or if it's not a military thing, someone that has a traumatic event, it may not be that they say, oh yeah, I was wrong. And now I'm an atheist. Like, I don't think that's very sure. common. I think yeah. most people, they don't stop believing. They just, when they can't rectify the answers to the questions that haunt them, they just stop thinking about them. And yeah. so that's what we sort of put into Jedediah. In Jedediah, we showed a traumatic event prior to his being a, a Navy SEAL, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So in him, you see this foreshadowing. You don't really learn all about it till the end of the book, but you keep seeing these references to something that happened when he was in high school where he had to confront real evil, something traumatic mm-hmm. that shook his faith. And as a result, he did what you would not expect a guy who becomes a Navy SEAL to do, right? He runs away. Yep. He runs away from his girl or the love of his life and his plans for his future and his hometown and his best friend runs away to all of it, winds up in the Navy, becomes a Navy SEAL. And his being this heroic Navy SEAL character is actually his way of running away from his problems, uh, which is interesting. And so we really wondered how to do that. What's the best way to have a character that's relatable that you can say, yeah, I get your struggle and maybe I can identify with that a little bit and still have someone who can be on a thriller novel hero's journey, right? Like you you still need to have a a heroic character. And so unlike for for people, if anyone that's listening follows us already, if you've read Tier One, if you've read Sons of Valor, if you've read any of our other books, John Dempsey in the Tier One series, uh, Chunk Redman in the Sons of Valor series, these are the guys that are the badass operators at the top of their game, right? And yeah, they have a haunted backstory. They have their things, their traumas that they're dealing with but they are basically bringing it. In Jedediah Johnson, what we wanted was an everyman that everyone can relate to. And to do that, we wanted to paint a picture of someone that you, you, you mentioned the prologue that gives you a little bit of his military background. But in chapter one, you're meeting a man who's a hero, who's emotionally broken. He's mm-hmm. physically broken from this gunshot wound he suffered overseas. And he's spiritually broken because he's been running from questions about God for his whole adult life. And so when you first meet him and you see this flawed character, you're not thinking John Dempsey, right? Dork and Nicky Steele. And so that was kind of fun to have this sort of, not an anti-hero, but somebody that was a little bit more of an everyman that people could relate to. So that as he worked through his struggle, maybe it was something that people could say, oh yeah, I get that. I can see that. Yep. And you you mentioned um, the spiritual warfare, and that's in the prologue too of uh, of in the book. Um, I grew up. I I haven't left my hometown. I mean, I I got born and raised here, and and went to school here, and and just stayed here. Um, so I really haven't done anything interesting outside of my life other than getting married, having kids. Um, I haven't moved away. I've done some traveling, just not much. Um, but in my in my hometown and. And I would say uh, the people that listen to this that are from this area, Northwest Iowa, we're really reformed. Um, reformed church is like what the basis of Northwest Iowa is. We don't really talk about spiritual warfare. Um, it's kind of a hush-hush topic that um, you don't really talk about. Uh, why do you think it's, it's so difficult? I see it in other churches, too, to talk about spiritual warfare. I don't, you know, I'm not a pastor, so I can't really give you a pastoral answer um, to that, but it's definitely, it's definitely true. Um, It's not, 
unique to Reformed Church. It's every church. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Catholicism, Protestant churches, evangelical churches like the one I attend. Um, most churches shy away from difficult things. They're not going to talk about money and they're not going to talk about the devil, right? No. Because those are things that make people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that the church, and this is not a criticism, but it is an observation. The church over over decades and centuries, maybe more centuries, has become an institution and an institution requires membership and it requires uh, attendance and it requires financial support. And if you say things that are uncomfortable, especially in our culture now, where people don't want to be uncomfortable and there's another church right around the corner, I don't have to stay at this one that's uncomfortable, right? So I think there is a tendency, I'm not saying it's a conscious thing, but I think that there's a maybe a subconscious tendency to avoid those controversial topics so that you can just give your feel-good message and you can minister to your flock and you can do all of these things and grow your church. But then you're missing an opportunity to talk about things that are really, really important. Like yep. you gotta, you got to redact out a whole lot of Bible, Old and New Testament, if you don't want to talk about evil yeah. and money. Like, I mean, For sure. That's, yep. that's a lot of scripture, right? I'm very blessed to go to a church that doesn't shy away from those difficult conversations. Uh, Pastor Craig Altman, who's a lead pastor at our church, the founder of our church. He's just a regular, he's an everyman, like, yep. like Jeff and I Johnson. He's everybody's guy. He's a, a regular dude. And he's like, look, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to, you're always welcome here, but I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you. And I'm not going to avoid the hard conversations. Sure. So I don't know why it's, it's gotten to that point, but I think it's unfortunate because I think the yep. church's mission is to arm its people, right? I, yep. Obviously, I'm a military man. I don't mean that in the you know, conventional yep. warfare way. But we have to prepare ourselves for whatever the crisis is. And if you don't understand the nature of your enemy, and now I am speaking as a military man, you cannot defeat him. And so if we're not going to talk about the spiritual warfare aspect of our society, then our, our team is going to be ill-equipped to confront that. And that's unfortunate. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't often say this, um, and I haven't told a lot of people this, so people that are listening are going to hear this and you're hearing this too. Um, I've, I've heard God speak to me on several occasions. Um, and one of, and one of the things was, um, in layman's terms, it was basically prepare yourself. There's, there's a war coming. I'm not a military man. I have never served. Um, I'm in the, I'm a firefighter, but yeah, looking back, um, that's one of the regrets that I have is not not serving my country. But I also have the deepest respect for all of our military men and women. Um, but I feel God ha- has said that to me several times in my life. Um, I feel that he has said that to me again here in not so the distant past, um, just with the struggles I've gone through. But I do feel like he has said, you know, there's a there's a battle that's coming. Um, and especially in today's times, um, just with everything going on in society, do you, have you heard that voice recently? Have you seen with writing this book that, that there's some dire times coming for Christians, non-Christians alike? Yeah. I mean, I think that, well, first of all, you would have to be a pretty poor observer of the human condition to not, to not feel that way. Right. I mean, um, We've been, at, we've been in this uh, war for 20 years uh, that truly feels like a struggle between good and evil. 
um, with a dedicated enemy whose mission it is to destroy all of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we haven't seen that a lot. Um, I think that there is a tendency in every generation to say we're the ones, right? And yep. um, and then there you get into all the code breaking. We did a study in my group recently of revelations, and um, we set some ground rules at the front because you know it's a that's a study that fractures friendships. It's a study that you know causes strife, but it done correctly, it can be very healthy. And so what we set out as the initial rule was: look, we're not code breakers. We're not gonna un, we're not gonna be the ones that figure it yep. all out when they've yep. been trying for thousands of years. But what if we approach the, each scripture as what is it trying to tell me today? How can I live my life today based on what I read? Um, because you know the Bible tells us clearly in in the New Testament, Jesus Himself has said, "You won't know the time and the place." So yep. when you break the code and you say, "Yep, November third, twenty twenty five, one day you know it isn't is that day, right?" So it's just yep. such a colossal waste of time. But I do think that if you frame the if you frame end times, which is another thing that is a very uncomfortable thing for people to talk about because there's so mm -hmm. much mystery around it. Yep. As the time between the crucifixion and resurrection and the return, well, then we've been in the end times for two thousand years, right? Like yep. the end times yep. started that day, um, the day that he ascended, and so. Uh, I've never been one of those guys that's trying to like nail down the date of this, that, and the other. I think it's a continuum. I think that it's a process. I think many of the, many of the prophecies have probably already occurred. Obviously there's many yet to come or we wouldn't still be here. Um, so I don't get into the whole code breaking thing, but I do feel that there's a struggle going on. Is it the end time struggle? I don't know, but I think that there's a real struggle for the heart of man right now. And I think that you see it playing out in a biblical way that has been, predicted a way where you know culture these cultural things that were warned against where you know it'll become politically incorrect to have a, a vibrant faith and be public about it and yep. those sorts of things i think that has been something you see changing um and i think that it's affected the church in a negative way because i think the church reacts by being defensive and then you've set up a cultural war there shouldn't be any war cultural or otherwise yep. between christians and anybody it should be you know, look, I believe the truth. You believe what you believe. I love you no matter what. Nobody ever got converted by getting yelled at, threatened, told they were yep. stupid. Like your job is to just be God's ambassador, be, you know, the light that Christ is in the, in the world. And people will be drawn to that instead of repelled by something that they find objectionable. So I know that's a very long and very poor answer because I didn't really answer the question, but I just think that it's a, it's a, you know, a complicated question that has a lot of answers on a yeah. lot of levels. So I don't get into a lot of politics on my podcast because that's not the nature of my podcast. But one thing that as you were answering that, that kind of just popped in my head. Um, do you think the devil is at work with some of these nitty gritty things that the church has seen? Like as far as like sexual, what what people's sexual or gender is, or um, I we could go into the COVID nineteen aspect of it. You know, the vaccine, anti vaccine. Do you do you feel like the devil is at work in in that way? So I think that um, I think a, a way to think of it, rather than, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to hedge the, the answer sure. at all. Yep. I am. I'm politically pretty agnostic, to be honest. You know, I think that uh, the biggest problem we have in our country right now is that 
people are so entrenched in politics, in their politics. And, yep. you know, used to be that, you know, your neighbor voted different than you, but he could still come over and have a barbecue and you might argue yep. a little bit about politics, but then you'd go watch the football game together. Yeah. Now you find out the guy voted for the other guy and you're like toilet papering his house and like, yeah. you know, protesting his kid, like it's horrible. And so yep. I think that the biggest thing we need to do is remember that we're Americans, we're Christians, that's it. We're yep. Americans, that's it. There's not, all this division is just very, very unhealthy. But the answer to your question is, of course, of course, there's, that's how the evil forces and what you see in this book, that's how they play out. Yep. They play out with those whispers, putting wedges between people, fracturing relationships, mm -hmm. turning people one on the other, on both sides. The church going after um, homosexuality or gender identification or whatever with pitchforks and and you know torches is not the way that God wanted us mm -hmm. to do it. Yep. The way you do it is you teach biblical principles and you love people no matter what. We have to remember that Jesus was washing the feet of tax collectors and like he wasn't throwing insults and telling them they were going to hell. That wasn't how it worked, and so. Yep. I think that the answer is yes, I do see evil forces at work at, at play both in and out of the church in all of those issues, but he's not doing it by, if he can just turn enough people to this secular cause or the other, then he'll yep. win. He's doing yep. it to fracture believers, to divide us and to prevent us from bringing God's message of love and peace and inclusiveness to one another by instilling all this hatred for a, a cause or a politic or something like that. Does yep. that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent. That was the yep. best answer to your question. No, nope, that was good. Um, so the purpose of my podcast is, that I like to portray is advancing God's kingdom. Um, you know, I want people to see God's love, but I also want people to, you know, spread his message. Um, and that's by helping people find their purpose or if they're not, you know, comfortable with, with spreading God's love, then this is one way that they can use my podcast to do that. Um, do you feel like, and I know you said this in, in past interviews with, with dark intercept, that's not really a book to try to convert people. It's just, it's meant to, to show those aspects of it. But do you think by writing and doing your books that you are, um, filling out God's purpose for you, that you're, you're doing his, his work? Oh, I mean, I, we certainly pray every day and everything that we do that we're doing God's work, mm -hmm. you know, as, as Christians, it's always hard to find that path, right? It's yep. you, you naively think when you're young, that it means there's going to be this giant floodlight shining brightly in the dark on a single path. And all you got to do yep. is keep the light under your feet and you'll be good. Obviously yep. in real life, it's more complicated. There's indecision. You're, there's uncertainty about whether you're doing, you're on the path that he has for you. Yep. Um, but this book in particular, we feel very strongly we are because just of the way it came to be, you know, we weren't shopping this book. Mm -hmm. We had this idea and 50 pages written and it was in a drawer. We had been writing tier one, tier one had taken off and was a, was a huge success. And we sold uh, Sons of Valor as a spinoff series to Blackstone. And so we were pretty busy. We have all kinds of stuff in our drawers of, you know, other ideas that we're constantly have in various stages of development. This was one of them. It was one that we tended to always come back to, though, and just socially and talk about. Brian is also one of my very best friends, probably my best sure. friend in the world outside of my family. And so we have these faith and philosophical questions all the time and we these discussions. And so we would come back to this book a lot. 
But when we got the deal with Putnam for the Web Griffin series and then sold this other series, so now we're like three or four series, you know, three or four books per year. Yep. We were not shopping. We were not looking for another deal. <laughs> um, but a very good friend of ours, Josh Hood, Joshua Hood, is uh, he's a uh, Army veteran and former Memphis SWAT sniper who writes the Treadstone series. For mm-hmm. Putnam. He's a very good friend of ours. And Josh was on a plane flying from a conference. I can't remember where. And he's sitting on an airplane next to a young lady. And they strike up a conversation. And they start talking about their faith. And uh, she has a faith. And he has a faith. And they're talking about that. She figures out. She goes, well, wait a minute. You're a writer. And he tells her who he is. And she goes, well, I'm actually, I work at Tyndale House. And um, interestingly, we're really trying to grow our men's adventure, you know, adventure thrillers, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything like that? And Josh being Josh says, Oh no, I don't have anything like that. I'm just about kicking in the doors and killing the terrorists and stuff like that. He said, but two of my good friends who you may have heard of, they have something that they might, I can see if they'd be willing to share it with you because he and I had talked about it a few times. Right. So he calls me up and he says, Hey, I met this lady. And I'm like, all right. That sounds like a weird story. I was like, yeah, sure. You can share my contact information, but I never expected there anything would come of it. Sure. And we were busy. So it didn't matter. I think it was either two or three days, 48 hours, probably our agent calls us and says, Hey, I got a contact from Karen Watson, who's the fiction publisher for all of Tyndale house. And she wants a zoom call with you guys. You know what that's about? I'm like, I, I might, I might know what that's about. And so the point of this long story is that we really feel like this is one of those times in your life where the the spotlight shined on the path. Like mm-hmm. it just literally fell out of the sky. We've been talking about yep. it for a few years. We didn't know what the timing would be like. And then all of a sudden it's like here at the largest Christian publisher in the world would like to have you on board. Yep. And they signed a three book deal with us. So for sure, we feel that telling this story is part of God's plan for us. But I also think that just being storytellers in general is part of God's plan for us. Because even before this book came out, being on tier, you know, talking on podcasts and radio and TV interviews about tier one, about Sons of Valor, about any of the books we do, we've been afforded opportunities on numerous occasions to open up, talk about our faith, talk about the struggles we had in war and uh, how they affected our faith and stuff like that. So it's been something that we've always used that opportunity. But for sure, we believe that this is something with purpose. And we can you can be one of the first people, your um, your viewers can be one of the first people to hear this. We actually have this option for television. We're not allowed to discuss any of the details as you and I talked about yeah. private, um, just yet. We hope soon we will be able to. But clearly, you know, when something falls out of the sky, turns into yeah. a three-book deal, it's a number one audible bestseller the day it releases. And then you get a TV deal. Yep. I don't know. It's kind of hard to deny what's going on there, right? Yeah, for sure. And it ends the first book. I tell you what it ends with as a nail biter. And <laughs> I've read it and I've listened to the audio book twice already. Oh, so is that that's, right? Yeah. I've listened. To, I just got done listening to the audio book again today. Um, he's great, isn't he? Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. 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 We worked with him once before on uh, uh, another series called the Nick Foley series, Beijing Red and Hong Kong Black. Yep. He wrote those for us. We wrote those under a pseudonym, but um, we love him. 
he's definitely one of the best in the business. So. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. You know, I could I could put my own my own spin on how the character sound, but it, it sounded really great with 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 him doing all the voices. Um, yeah, he was, was amazing for sure. Yeah, I encourage everyone to go to go buy Dark Intercept, the audiobook and the book. Um, it's fantastic. Thank you for giving me a digital copy of it so I could read it. It was great. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so one of the last sections I have here that I do with everybody is um, uh, what's running through your veins. So that's the name of my podcast. But what that really means is um, what's something that's exciting you right now that you're that you're either looking forward to or that's um, it could be, you know, like for me, what's running through my veins right now is hunting season is fast approaching <laughs> here in Iowa. So I'm getting ready for that. So what's something that's running through your veins, Jeff, or, or your and Brian's together that, that you're looking forward to? Yeah, I can tell you there's, there's, you know, both there's a personal and professional side. One of the great things about being a writer is being able to have so much time with my family um, Mm -hmm. compared to what my life used to be like. And so on a personal side um, this year, you know, with COVID slowly getting in the rearview mirror, especially where I live, we're just so excited about getting out with the kids and going places. And we've been mm-hmm. to the beach a couple of times now. We've got some great vacations planned. And actually, our families are going to travel together. You know, Brian oh, lives cool. in Kansas and I live in Florida. So we don't, with COVID, we weren't able to do much together. But we're mm-hmm. getting both our families together. We're going out to the Grand Canyon in the spring. And so those things are always things that are coursing through my veins for sure. On a professional yep. side, honestly, right now, it's just the excitement of this project growing so fast, uh, getting it, getting it to readers, uh, getting it to listeners. And then, you know, the excitement about the TV show coming down the road in a year or so. Um, that's what's I'm passionate about because the way it has just melded my life. And I say lives because, you know, you have personally, you have professional and you have your passion. My, uh, my passion is this ministry that I lead for Grace Family Church in Tampa and being able to take what we do there and blend it with the military fiction and action thrillers that we've been writing is just beyond exciting. Like it just, it's just such a natural fit. So. That's cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you said Brian had a, a prior engagement to do another um, interview. He asked me to tell you, sorry, we, um, you know, around lunch time, the calendars are just, Oh yeah. I can about so, imagine. And somehow we missed that. We had already scheduled uh, a good friend of ours. Uh, so you've certainly heard of Hank Philippi Ryan. She has her mm-hmm. new book launched today and yep. we agreed to be at this virtual launch party. And uh, we didn't notice until literally lunchtime. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute, should there be two things in the same block on your outlook calendar? I don't think so. So that's, but right. that's a good thing about having two of us. We could divide and conquer. That's and awesome. Chatted, so I certainly didn't want to miss the opportunity. Although, yeah. Hank, if you see this, I'm sorry I wasn't there. So That's awesome. Well, I do appreciate you coming on. Um, I thank you and Brian for your service um, for this country. Um, it's always something that I, I have military family, too. So I do thank you. Um, you guys are not forgotten with what you have done. So thank you so much. Um, I hope everyone enjoys this podcast. And again, thank you for coming on, Jeff. You bet. And if anyone wants to learn more, they can go to our website. That's the easiest way to follow what's going on with us. With all these moving parts right now, we can't keep it straight, but someone does on our website. (laughs) So it's 
andrews-wilson.com gets you to our website. There's a newsletter that people can sign up for, which we encourage them to do. But all of our books are there, and there's a whole section just for news about the Shepherd series and Dark Intercept. So uh, you can also email us there. We encourage people to reach out to us. We love communicating with people. And we just added this really cool page where people can post pictures and send pictures of us or of themselves to post uh, onto the website. So we encourage people to engage with us. We really enjoy the, the human aspect of what we do. So that's awesome. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thank you, my friend. Good yep. to finally meet you. Yeah, you too. I, uh, I encourage our, I want to say, I hope everything goes well with the, with the TV launch and with all the upcoming books. So um, I'll pray for, pray for everything to go well and, just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right.